Hey friends, welcome to a special edition of the Smoke Signals podcast. I'm Justin Latta, going to be joined by Indians beat reporter John Fanta, and joining us will be the terrific play-by-play guy for the Lake County Captains, Andrew Luckglass. Andrew is going to help us talk about Tristan McKenzie's Major League debut. Andrew has been the captain's broadcaster since 2016, so he's seen Tristan McKenzie, but he's also seen Aaron Savali, uh, Shane Bieber, and Zach Plesak, so he's seen a really good number of the Indians pitchers uh, in this rotation come through Lake County the last couple years. Uh, has some really good insight into not only Tristan McKenzie and, and uh, who he is or how great he is on and off the field and how things have been going for him at the alternate training site so far, um, but just the Indians pitching development overall, including all those guys and some other uh, cool insights that Andrew has. So I think you're really going to enjoy the conversation and worth a listen ahead of Tristan McKenzie's debut. So thanks for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe and, and follow Andrew on Twitter and follow us on Twitter and follow the captains on Twitter. Andrew does a terrific job, and he's really good at his job, and he's a really great person, and uh, we're really thankful he was able to join us for this. So uh, thanks, Andrew, and thanks for listening. All right, Andrew Luffglass, the play-by-play announcer for the Lake County Captain since 2016, is joining us to talk about Tristan McKenzie, who's going to make his debut Saturday against Detroit. Uh, McKenzie has not pitched since 2018. He's obviously hasn't with the captain since 2016, but uh, Andrew got to see some pretty good starts from Tristan McKenzie, and uh, I would say knows him about as well as anybody, any broadcaster in the organization who's seen him, so... Andrew, thanks for joining us. And how you doing? I know the last time you and I talked, we uh, we weren't sure there was going to be a baseball season, and we weren't sure what was going to happen. So, how are things going for you and and over at uh, Classic Park? Yeah, well, first of all, Justin, John, thank you guys for having me on, and it's great to talk to you too. Um, uh, yeah, last time we spoke, we didn't know exactly what was going to go on, although I think we all had a pretty good idea. Uh, that we weren't going to have a minor league season even talking then, which I think was around the draft in June was the last time we spoke over the phone. Um, since then, it's been all right. I mean, it's, it's been tough for all minor league teams, everybody across minor league baseball. But this, I think, is where you see the innovative side of the minor league business come through. Everybody's leaning on each other for uh, for help, for ideas, uh, checking in on what other teams are doing in social media, uh, minor league baseball, the office in St. Pete has done a great job, and uh, individual teams have done a great job in setting up weekly calls to talk about uh, ideas and things they're doing, what's working, what's not. So um, at least from a, from a standpoint of collaborating and, and working together as um, – as almost like a, a brotherhood, a sisterhood, right? It's It's been terrific to have that kind of interaction with all the other teams in the midst of what's been obviously a very difficult year. Yeah, for sure. I, I've definitely enjoyed keeping up with the conversations on the podcast. If you guys are listening to this, um, go subscribe to, uh, what is it, Captains on Deck? So- yeah, um, so we did a we did our Lunch with the Captains show um, which was on AM thirteen thirty and one oh one five FM WINT and it's uh, exists as a podcast at Captains on Deck. And uh, just as a little teaser, the reason why we didn't name the the podcast title Lunch with the Captains as the show was was that there are plans to do some um some more content, some more kind of podcast mini series coming up in the next few months. So uh some of those are in the works as we speak. 
Yeah, and you recently just spoke to Tristan McKenzie and Eli Morgan. So um, I got through that podcast, but for anybody who maybe hasn't listened yet, do you want to kind of tease a little bit about how that went? Yeah, so that was an episode we were talking to uh, a couple guys who have uh, obviously been training at the alternate training site. We as the captains are the home of the Indians alternate training site and taxi squad out in East Lake at our ballpark. And so just kind of talking to Eli and Tristan not just about how that atmosphere is, what it's like going in there day in and day out on uh, kind of a a weird, different uh, environment, a weirdly different schedule. It's not like a regular minor league baseball season, but you're still getting your work in. And also what they did to to train before they got the call, how they found out they were getting the call to to join that alternate training site squad. Um, And also what they're doing in their downtime for Tristan, we did a lot of talk about about what he's doing in his downtime. It, he did a, a lot of work and has continued to do a lot of work over the last few years with the Boys and Girls Club in Cleveland. He's very active in the community in that way. Uh, he's a big video game guy. Uh, so lots to talk of, about that with Tristan. And with Eli, it was a, kind of a super nerdy, if you're really into uh, nerding out on pitching and pitch development. We talked a lot about that because he's a guy with a very interesting five pitch arsenal and uh, a really smart guy who thinks a lot about the craft of pitching. Andrew, Carl Willis had said yesterday in the Indians media availability that Tristan has matured. What could you say about the way that he's matured that makes him ready for this stage on Saturday? Well, for one thing, I'm sure uh, Carl can talk more directly about how he's matured as a pitcher, but it's been really a joy for me to see him mature as a person. We had him at, uh, as a 19-year-old. Justin, you and I were just saying he was just 19 when he was called up to the captains. It's an August 2nd birthday. He was called up to the captains August 3rd of 2016 and made his first captain start on August 5th of 2016. So he was a teenager, a young kid not that long in pro ball. And he's always been just an incredibly nice person and engaging person. I think anybody who's had an interview with him or an an interaction with him would tell you that he's just a a wonderful kid, a wonderful guy. Um, But you know, when, when you're 19, you're a much different person than you are when you're 23 as he is now. And to, to watch him grow, not only, into from from the nice guy that he was before into not only a, a nicer guy but a, a more mature guy I think has been a, a real pleasure to watch I, I think I probably see him over the last few years I've probably seen him once a year ish um, and every time I, I see him he just seems like a more composed young man on the field what do you remember most about him I you know, I know it was only a few starts but Obviously, he's like we talked about, he's matured and he was always a really engaging interview. I found um, every time I've spoken to him, even back in, in 2016 as a 19 year old. But on the mound, what do you just what do you remember about him in those few starts? I mean, it wasn't like he had a lot of experience. Obviously, he was really young. And, and for anybody to handle full season ball the way he did was really impressive, I thought. Yeah, I mean, we talked about composure. He's always had the composure on the mound. Um the things that stood out for me when I saw him, first of all, pitch wise, he could really run the fastball up above the hands 
in a way that a lot of young pitchers don't. You think a lot you think a lot about young pitchers being taught shoot the knees with the fastball and my recollection is that Tristan was always fastball up in the zone. He knew he had that ride and could get that fastball above the hitter's hands in an effective way and that paired very well with his ability to get the breaking ball down low. He had from my recollection of a really sharp 12 to 6 curveball so that's per- pretty perfect combination fastball above the hands curveball below the knees that's a, a good indication of uh, a guy who has the stuff to be a strikeout pitcher and he struck out 11 in his first captain start so there you go for, from a pitching standpoint from a pitch mix standpoint that's what he was and hopefully what he'll be on Saturday as well in his Indians debut in his major league debut other than that the other thing that stands out is just he's always been this long lanky kid and it impressed me immensely to see a 19 year old with that body who was able to control it consistently he's explosive and kind of like a rubber band but he's able to pull it all together and keep his delivery pretty consistent from my memory now obviously he's had issues with injuries but um that notwithstanding he's been able to use his frame his long lean frame very effectively and control it very effectively Andrew one of the things I took away when the Indians were talking about this decision to start McKenzie on Saturday was they actually went into the process of making the decision they said Tristan was supposed to start uh, on Saturday it was his it was his start day so that worked out well for them but beyond that they actually went through a couple of the other options they were considering. They brought up Scott Moss, who's at the alternate training site, was included in that that Bauer trade last season. But Carl Willis said there's other guys that are performing for us at the alternate training site. And it just bears noting here how much pitching the Indians possess that they could go with uh, and, and they're in a unique situation, obviously, with some of the starting pitching uh with with Clevenger and Plesak, obviously, but it just goes back to the fact, Andrew, and I think you could speak to this from the de- developmental phase. What do you make of the continual ability for the Indians to not only identify their future fits for their pitchers, but also develop those arms for the future? I think one of the things that I go back to anytime I talk about the Indians' ability to develop pitchers compared to other organizations is my conversations with guys who have come from another organization and then are a member of the Cleveland Indians organization. Whether that's a a pitching development coach or a pitcher, they all talk about a couple things. One of them is the fact that there are just more development tools available to them. The Indians are better at using things like Rapsodo and TrackMan and Edgertronic. They're better at using the data and they have more of it and they're not afraid to use it. The other thing that I go to is the fact that the Indians player development staff, and, and I've heard this from guys who have switched organizations and I've seen this firsthand, they are very into being interdepartmental. They don't operate in silos. If you're a hitting guy, you're still talking with the pitching staff. If you're a hitting guy and you see something in a pitcher's delivery or if you see a movement that you think would be advantageous for a pitcher, 
you'll talk to the pitching guys. They all cross contaminate. They all talk to each other. Um, so I think that's, I think that's an underrated aspect of the Indians player development system is that they don't operate just in their own departments. They, they talk to each other, they work together all across the board. Um, and I, I guess the other thing is that because they not only work cross departmentally, um, not only that, they also have a deep department in the pitching side. You see the structure that they've created um, with not only the the major league pitching staff that includes Carl Willis, Ruben Niebla has been brought into the into the fold there, um, but also the minor league training side, the minor league pitching development side. They have a lot of guys who have gone through the process of being minor league pitching coaches, and then they'll go into the role of um, of the minor league pitching development, the lead pitching development role as Joe Torres has now. And those guys funnel up to the big leagues. Ruben Niebla was the the minor league head of minor league pitching development. Um, so not only is it cross-departmental, talking, hitting, pitching, it's also that the minor league guys are talking to the major league guys and vice versa. So the fact that they're all working together, they're all using that data, they're all using the, um, the technology available to them makes it, I think, easier for them to have a uh, consistent, cohesive team and message when they're working with pitchers. And I, I think you've seen that bear out that they're able to take a guy at almost any level and at least have a shot at improving his ability. And that obviously speaks to the fact that, you know, going on Saturday and, and this is, you know, been the, the consistent theme since the start of the season, but a lot of their going back to 20, I want to say back to 2013, the Indians haven't had a, a free agent starting pitcher start a game for them, I think, since 2013 or maybe it was 2014. I can't remember. But um, you'll not when McKenzie goes on Saturday, you will have seen what four of the six guys um, who have made starts for the Indians this year come from Lake County Bieber, Plesak, um, Savali, Plucko. Yes, yeah, sorry. That's uh, fine. <laughs> so you, oh, so you did. You were there when Adam Plucko was down there. Okay, so that actually I, I was personally me. was not. I thought you were just talking about guys who have come through Lake County. Yeah, I mean, just from your time there. But you, okay. and then, yeah, and, and since you've you've been there since 2016, and it's only 2020, and yeah. you'll have seen McKenzie, Plesac, Savali, and um, and Beaver, and, and Beaver, McKenzie, yeah. yeah. They, it's it's crazy. Um, it's crazy to think how quickly some of these guys have risen. And the I think the the interesting thing to think about too is a lot of times when you're talking about a pitching prospect who makes the major leagues, when they're pitching at low A, you get the immediate sense like this guy's a big leaguer. Um, I think because the Indians have such pitching depth. There hasn't been this blow. Maybe McKenzie was the only one, and Sam Hengis could be a, another possibility. There hasn't there haven't been that many guys who show up, blow the competition away to the point that you're like, this guy's a big leaguer now, and then they're gone. Shane Bieber had that kind of performance, but there was the question mark of where is his stuff at? But there really hasn't been the guy that's like, okay, they drafted him. You knew he was the guy. He blew away the competition. He was in the big leagues quickly. 
it's been more of we just see so many consistently solid arms that you have to wait a year or two to see how they develop before you know if they'll be in the big leagues or not. Um, and I guess the, the point I'm getting to here is that because we see so many of these guys that are solid with potential, it's harder to say when they're in Lake County, are they yeah. going to make the jump quickly? Are they going to take a while to, to percolate? We're so used to seeing solid quality arms that you kind of have to take a step back, be patient and wait to see what they do at High Lynchburg and Double A Akron before you make that judgment, and just appreciate that you you are seeing the quality at the Lake County level, but don't rush to judgment. That's a really interesting point. And Carl Willis said yesterday because he was asked about McKenzie's skill set and asked to break his his arm down and and what they see, and he went through this pitching arsenal. He went through the fact that. Tristan's been in, in Lake County, and he said what we've noticed is when he gets behind an account lately, instead of just going to the fastball and blowing it by guys, he realizes that he's going to have to throw his changeup, his slider in the big leagues because if, if you're going fastball every time, there are so many more consistent hitters in the big leagues that are waiting on that that can send it out. Uh, that are waiting for you in the majors as opposed to what he's seen. And I thought it was really interesting because Carl had a pause in his answer, and then he said, you know, you finish developing in the majors. Not everything is done down in, in Lake County or Lynchburg or wherever it might be. He said, you, you have to show us a base, which yes. is kind of what you're talking about, Andrew. But he said, then what we do is it's almost like a, a sculptor. They round it into complete form. If they see some of the basic things there, a, a groundwork laid, then what this developmental staff has been able to do is take those things and just build further on them. I think the perfect example of what you're talking about is Shane Bieber. And I, I grant you, obviously, that Shane developed quicker. He developed those finishing touches quicker and perfected those quicker than other guys have and other guys will. But I was talking recently to Logan Ice, who was the catcher on the 2017 captains, which means he caught Shane Bieber. He caught Aaron Savali. He caught Zach Plesak with the captains. And for many of those, he caught all the way up through the system. And what he said about Shane was that, at the time when he was with the captains, he obviously could spot up the fastball, but they weren't really sure where things were with the breaking stuff, the curveball, the slider. The slider was in development. It was pretty good. Sometimes it was a cement mixer. The curveball was kind of a work in progress, certainly more of a work in progress. The slider didn't get perfected or even really developed on a consistent basis until the until high a or double a and the curveball even later than that but he had so there's the question you're talking about with the stuff but when he was with lake county you wouldn't know it by the numbers he, he struck out i think it's 29 in 32 innings with one walk and five starts you can check me on that but it was it was ridiculous and he was doing it essentially 
with two quality pitches, fastball change, and the ability to command. They had the base. He was able to spot his stuff. He had decent off-speed stuff. At least that's what, what Logan was essentially saying there, that the other two breaking pitches were were works in progress. And then he rounded into form later. But he showed early on he had some base to work off of that could make him uh, maybe not a star. We didn't know he'd be a star, but certainly make him a big league quality arm later. Uh, and that's, again, that goes back to what I was talking about with not rushing judgment. Um, guys can blow you away at low A uh, with command and a good two good pitches because your your seven, eight, and nine at low A aren't always, you know, studs, right? So you can afford to just spot your pitches, hit the corners and get out of there or get weak contact and get out of there. But it's not until later in the development process and for some guys into the big leagues that they really hone those extra pitches perfect them and are able to use them consistently uh, when they want the, when they want to call on them. I'm really glad you brought up the command thing because I wanted to loop back to that. And this is why I think you were the perfect person for this conversation because you've seen all these guys in the rotation that we're talking about. And I kind of wonder, and this is why it's important not to scout the stat line. You've seen enough good arms at Lake County, especially from the Indians. Um, how hard do you think it is to discern command versus stuff? Because like we said, Tristan McKenzie struck out 11 batters in his first game at 19 years old and five and a third innings. But we all know that, you know, like you said, Bieber had great command. Savali had great command. McKenzie has great command. So how do you, when you're looking at this, how do you, how do you feel like you discern command versus, okay, this guy's got stuff that's just blowing everybody away. How do you kind of, you know, decide between the two, which, which one it is. I know that's one of the hardest parts probably. Yeah. I think it's a combination of a lot of things for one discerning, which is the dominant part of their game can be a combination of, of using your eyes and using scouting reports and talking to, to scouts and the catcher and pitching coaches. Cause they'll tell you where the problems are, where the areas are that they need to work on. I think in some regard, at least from my vantage point, if I'm just relying on my eyes, stuff is easier to see, especially breaking stuff. I can't necessarily see exactly where the catcher's glove is and where the um, and where the pitch was relative to where the target was. So command is tough. Control, I can scout the stat line. I could tell you that Shane Bieber had great control with the captains because his strikeout to walk that year was like a freaking joke. I, I told you the, the numbers and I was off. It was 31 strikeouts and one walk in 29 innings. So his control is there because he's not walking anybody. But when you're judging command, you need to know where the ball is relative to where the target was. Um, as far as stuff, I can see a good slider from where I am. And then you talk to, just an example, a good slider, a good curveball. And then you talk to scouts who will... Um, confirm your suspicions. Uh, Kyle Nelson's a good example of that. You could see from pretty much anywhere in the park that he had a just filthy slider, and then you see a ridiculous, horrible swing at one. I remember one specifically in Lansing that I talked to a Colorado Rocky scout after, and he said, I was so excited to write this guy up after seeing that one slider. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so a combination of like talking to scouts, watching from from where my vantage point is, and then looking at the scats at the uh, stats will tell you um, certain things. But you have to use, I think, a combination of all of that. And for Shane, the scouting reports were well, we don't know about the stuff, and so that w- that made it easier for me to see. Okay, people are questioning the stuff. I see as good strikeout to walk ratio. He's has a history of never walking anybody. This may be a case, and this is what was what I was thinking when Shane was promoted to high Lynchburg. Well, this may have been a case of a guy with great command and control um, who can blow away low A hitters on that basis alone. We'll have to wait and see what happens at the next level because stuff will be the differentiator the higher you go in the system if all you have is command and control. So how do you apply that to McKenzie and hit obviously his short time in Lake County? Do you think it was, I mean, he didn't walk anybody either. What he had four, five, six walks. So mm-hmm. do, do you feel like that was more commander stuff for McKenzie? I think I saw it as stuff because at least the, the few games I saw the, it, of what I'm telling you before is that the thing that stuck out to me was the high fastball, low breaking ball combination. Then that memory is enough to tell me that I, I believe that it was the stuff more than anything else. And he could get chases. I mean, he's running a, a fastball high over the hands out of the zone and a breaking ball out of the zone, which can be a command thing. A command is hitting a spot control is hitting the strike zone to differentiate the two. So you can have command and throw a pitch out of the strike zone, but you're not going to be able to get chases if you're out of the strike zone, if your stuff isn't good, unless you're just an absolute God at setting pitches up, which as a 19 year old is hard to fathom. Um, So I guess the differentiator to me at that point was stuff. And part of that was also um, I had heard so much about the stuff that there was a little confirmation bias there um, where I, I just, I heard that going into his few starts with the captains. And then you see a few things that confirm your suspicion. It's not like the other thing too, is it's not like guys can't have both. And he did have some semblance of command as well. Um, It's just that I think the stuff was, the stuff was the reason that he was drafted where he was as a teenager in the competitive balance round out of high school um, and, uh, and that, I think, I think that also tells you something when you're drafted out of high school that high, you're, you're not drafted cause you can spot your fastball. You're drafted because you have nasty stuff. I think that's important to differentiate too, because I feel like at that, especially in the Midwest league, you can get away and maybe strike guys out with, with great command. If you don't have great stuff, just because of the experience level, some of the hitters, um, not going to ask you to, to rank them or put any, <laughs> kind of, any I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit though. So sure. where does McKenzie compare for you in terms of the guys we've talked about today that you've seen at Lake County, you know, the Savalis, the police acts, the, um, Beavers and all that. How, where does he compare among those arms to you? So I'm going to answer you strictly based on those pitchers times with Lake County, partially because, that's when I had the ability to watch them every day. And partially because since uh, they've come up through the system, I, I haven't gotten to watch them so much. So I'm relying on, on scouting reports and uh, prospect rankings and all of this stuff. So when they were with the captains, uh, 
Bieber, Savali, Plesak were 2017. McKenzie was 2016. I would say that the most exciting pitcher to watch on a day-in, day-out basis was Tristan. And this is strictly aesthetics because, again, Shane at the time was mostly a command pitcher. So I wasn't I wasn't watching this just nasty breaking ball. He wasn't throwing the fastball above the hands like he is now. He was what I talked about before, where like you have a college pitcher, high school pitcher, an amateur pitcher is taught to shoot the knees with the fastball. He really wasn't elevating the fastball so much. So there wasn't this this uh, visceral aesthetic pleasure that I would get out of watching Shane blow guys away because he was just doing it by being a freaking surgeon in the strike zone. Um, Aaron Zavalli was very similar and Zach Plesak. Plesak just had this crazy wild energy that was fun to watch, but Tristan had the energy. He had this um, wildly, um, wildly lean and, and fun body to watch him control on a pitch by pitch basis. And he had the stuff. So the combination of the energy, I think, and the stuff most importantly made Tristan the most fun to watch for me. And as I had kind of said before, part of that might also be my own bias because I I think Tristan's been um, just a a wonderful person to be around the last few years. I I do have to, before we finish, uh, just tell you how great he's been during this shutdown time. Not all his pitching stuff aside, uh, he has been phenomenal working with us and and willing to do just about anything to help us out with uh, with content or whatever i told you about his charity work with the boys and girls club he's done video game tournaments with us he's done interviews with us um just a, a really welcoming young man who i'm very very happy for and uh very excited to see him in the big leagues that feels like a pretty good place to end it uh, for this conversation. But anything you want to kind of throw out there for people to check out? I know you mentioned there were some upcoming uh, podcasts and other other uh, media opportunities from the captains. Is there anything else you want to throw out there that ca- or baseball fans should look forward to? Yeah, so uh, thank you for that. The podcast, you can, again, check out our previous interviews uh, by searching Captains on Deck on most of your favorite podcast platforms. The other podcast content that we're looking to put out won't be for another few months. That's kind of in the works. So I would just say if you would uh, follow the captains on social media, that's at LC captains on Twitter and Instagram and at facebook.com slash captains baseball. If you are hungry for minor league baseball, we do have a weekly uh, game replay where we'll rebroadcast a game from the last couple of years that you can watch on our Facebook channel with highlights on Twitter. And um, if you're looking for something to do safely with the family, the captains have just started as of uh, our recording today. The first one will be tomorrow, Saturday, August 22nd movie nights powered by NOPEC uh, movies shown on the video board at the ballpark. Uh, you can check that out at captainsbaseball.com with all the information, safety protocols, and ticket information. And you can follow Andrew at A underscore Luffglass on Twitter. Andrew, my friend, thank you for doing this for us. And I really hope to talk to you and see you a lot more in 2021. <laughs> see you is is number one for me. Thank you guys so much for uh, for taking the time and and really enjoyed talking to you as always. 
Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, John.